Hello, my name is Gillian Bowen, the Australian Manager of Public Affairs at Chartered Accountants ANZ or CA ANZ. This is Small Firm Big Impact. It's actually looking like a pretty big year for 2023. There's a number of standards in play, either new standards mm -hmm. or post-implementation reviews of some of the big standards. There's no shortage of technical reasons and mm. uh, different stakeholders pushing us towards greater complexity. But what we have to do is look at the bigger picture and often push back. We deal with about four or 500 member queries and, and, and sort of uh, pieces of feedback in a year mm. and a lot of that is very useful to identify these types of issues and the pressures that that members are, are facing. It's the podcast giving you and your clients the up-to-date information you need to do your jobs. Each fortnight I share resources, tools and expert advice provided by CAANZ and a range of people across our profession so make sure you're following the pod in your favourite pod app. And if you've got an idea for the show, email podcast at charteredaccountantsanz.com. Today we have Amir Gander, Chartered Accountants ANZ Reporting and Assurance Leader in the Hot Seat. The topic, changes to accounting standards in Australia and New Zealand, as well as what's different in the auditing and reporting space in 2023. Amir, welcome to Small Firm Big Impact. That's great to be with you, Gil. Look, let's get straight into it. What's happening with international accounting standards and how do they apply locally mm. to small and medium-sized practices? Yeah, it's actually looking like a pretty big year for 2023. There's a number of standards in play, either new standards mm -hmm. or post-implementation reviews of some of the big standards. I guess to sum up, there's uh, increasing complexity overall coming into international accounting standards, a number of moving parts at once uh, this year. One thing that complexity means, we have to be very careful how these standards translate locally mm. for SMEs, for small and medium uh, entities, and of course the impact on the practices that work mm. with, with those types of entities. Uh, the biggest piece in play now in that space is the framework reform um, in Australia, the removal of special purpose reporting and replacement by a tiered model, and in New Zealand, refining the tiered model that's uh, already in place. Um, and also when we're looking at the standards internationally, in some of those big post-implementation reviews, we'll be looking at, for example, the leases standard, making sure we have a really robust input from our members mm. and getting, getting a view across, a real view, and getting that heard uh, and working with peers in other countries um, to try to affect change. We've had some success along those lines during the pandemic, for example, getting some relief on some key areas that were causing problems. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess to, you know, in, in all our advocacy work on the accounting standards, a, a major focus for us um, to, to represent our small and medium practice members is to aim for simplicity and pragmatism. There's no shortage of technical reasons and mm. uh, different stakeholders pushing us towards greater complexity. But what we have to do is look at the bigger picture and often push back um, hopefully to land somewhere sensible and workable. Mm, mm. And so then the changes that you've mentioned there, why have they come about? Well, look, in, in both Australia and New Zealand, the government has for a long time committed to adopting international standards issued 
by the International Accounting Standards Board, uh, with only essential kind of changes made for, for the local environment. And the local standards boards, the Australian Accounting Standards Board and the New Zealand Accounting Standards Board, take these international standards, which apply to larger listed entities and issuers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, we then have a sizable population of entities outside that space, where either tweaks or significant requirements might apply, ideally in a more bespoke and fit-for-purpose way. For example, private companies, not-for-profits, associations, you know, self-managed super funds. It's not always ideal, however, and the laws and regulations impacting this can be fragmented across the states federally, and sometimes mm. quite obtuse mm. outcomes occur. Yeah, that's uh, always tricky, isn't it, about different di- different jurisdictions rolling out different things. Absolutely. And mm. we, we invest quite a lot of time working with the standard setters to push for a practical and reasonable approach that's in line with the international standards. In, in New Zealand, for many years, a tiered system has applied. So the standards for smaller entities get progressively simpler and more suitable for smaller entities, right down to a cash-based management accounting type approach uh, for the smallest entities. In Australia, we've had special purpose reporting where entities decided on their own accounting policies where there notionally aren't users that would need to rely on general purpose financial statements. But one of those major changes of the past years and continuing in 23 is where the Australian Accounting Standards Board is phasing out this approach to be replaced by a tiered model as we have in New Zealand and and a lot of other parts of the world. And are our members and the people who work in this space across those changes, they know that this is coming into force? And if not, then what is it that CANS is doing to ensure that they do know? Yeah, so we have a, we have a lot of regular forums and, uh, and, and ways of, of both informing members, but I think also really importantly, getting the views of members in. Mm. Uh, for example, we have monthly forums with, with accounting experts from the small end of town to the big end of, of town. And some of those actually met fortnightly during the pandemic. We've in the last few years uh, uh, done an annual IFRS survey uh, of about 500 to 700 members, really looking to see how those international standards and the local equivalents are are impacting where the problem areas are. Is that a good number of members getting involved in that, or would, you, would decent, you like more? I'd like. I'd certainly like more. You always always would like more. Mm. But that's a pretty reasonable cross. That gives us a cross section of different types of members, different locations. Uh, and backgrounds. Um, So if I use the example of that framework reform in Australia, a really important piece impacting on a lot of members, particularly in those small and medium uh, practices. We conducted a a major survey early on in that project a few years ago to understand views. And and it's challenging because there are a range of views and there are strong views Mm. on on all sides uh, of the debate, really. But ultimately landed on Whatever change does come through needs to be practical, workable, and suitable for the entities that it applies to. And in the for-profit space where that change has already happened and applied for the first time in the last couple of years, we saw in this year's uh, IFRS survey that members are for the most part seeing that the burden has been reduced through what's been done, but there is scope for further simplification. And in the not-for-profit space, 
where where the future proposed changes are right now being consulted on, and so we we would really encourage uh, any input from members. The proposed model from the Accounting Standards Board does take into account very much the feedback we've provided from members mm -hmm. and simplified sure. a lot of the key areas. And the the, the mm -hmm. feedback from members so far on that has been quite positive. Mm. Look, you've mentioned the word burden there. Uh, and, and I'm sure those listening along would have their own view on this. So feel free to let us know. But what is the regulatory burden like out yeah. there at the moment? So I guess the, the real challenge is making sure that in terms of accounting standards, mm. that the right, the right approach and the right standards and frameworks are applying to the right entities. And that's a that's a major challenge because we have a <laughs> people would be like, well are they? Are they applying? <laughs> we have a complex system with with many state and federal mm. agencies and different laws involved in determining who must report under what standards. So notwithstanding the, the accounting standards board has been very receptive to feedback about simplifying mm. the models that are there. Mm. Uh, we've ha we've really had to get involved and invested quite heavily in, in helping the standard setter as well as different agencies and departments around the states and federally um, to make sure they're aware of the standards that are coming through and how that fits into their to their regulatory uh, framework and that's been largely um, quite successful that that approach of getting ahead of that which mm. we, we really have been doing throughout the the process but but I think it's fair to say there are exceptions and this can even change over time for particular entities so we we remain vigilant we, we again call for input from members we we deal with about four or five hundred member queries and 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 sort of uh pieces of feedback in a year mm -hmm. and a lot of that is very useful to identify these types of issues and the pressures that that members are are facing now that's in the for-profit space um it in the not-for-profit space coming up it could be even more complex so we, we we're working hard to get ahead of any actual exposure drafts or standards coming through mm. to make sure that it's it's not just a sort of unilateral piece that it mm. really does involve all those different states and agencies and and that we we're recognizing where the pressures and impacts are going mm. to come into play because i mean there would be people listening along that would be saying great you're asking for feedback it appears that you're hearing our feedback but then are the people who you pass on that feedback to, as in the government organisations, those setting the regulations, are they listening to the issues that we are raising? I, I, ab absolutely. I, I think the standards boards um, uh, in Australia and New Zealand are listening and, and receptive to the feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, we can see that they've genuinely listened to the feedback when it came to the framework reform project in the in the for-profit space and in the the not-for-profit space you know significant simplification from where they started um, and and early on in that that NFP area um, I think I, I summed up some of the feedback we had as whatever comes needs to be simpler than special purpose and I put this to the standards board staff, mm. um, uh, I guess, as a challenge. And they've they've actually responded with a well-received set of proposals that do dramatically simplify complex areas like lease accounting, financial instruments, income, and others in a way that will make life easier for not-for-profits and their accountants so they can get on with what's more important. Oh, I like that idea, making life easier. That's what everyone <laughs> wants, is it not, as they yeah. start a new year. But as I said, the, the, the real lift ahead is going to be making sure that the state and federal agencies and regulators adopt <laughs> the right frameworks for the right entities, have mm. the right thresholds, 
um, in place, um, and we're actively working on this alongside mm. the, the standard setter. So how are we helping practices and entities who are working in this space with these changes and with all the complexities yeah. that come with it, especially as things evolve and change fairly rapidly, yeah. really? Yeah, look, I think we've got quite a range of, of resources. So the first place I'd recommend to go is our reporting and, a, and assurance essentials guides, which come out every six months, as well as our update webinars, which we've come to doing every six months now, uh, which talk through all the main changes uh, in around an hour. The next one's on February 2nd, or if you're hearing this after that, um, you know, you can, all members can still access mm. that as a re- recording. Yeah, and we'll we'll put links to those okay. in the show notes um, to make sure that if you're listening along now, just go through to the description of the episode and you'll be able to click straight onto those either to register or to find the recording as Amir has mentioned. And to stay up to date on a fortnightly basis and also access a whole other range of tools, webinars, and you can see what we're advocating on and, and the views that we're hearing and putting forward. I'd highly recommend subscribing to our free reporting and assurance news, which you can do on MyCA. Uh, I know even when I was in practice, that that newsletter was the place to go. And we we do try to curate and make it a really Mm -hmm. easy read and a way of staying up to date. And and we also do some some specific pieces on challenging topics and work with the standard setters. For example, we invested in some very comprehensive tools in the the pandemic um, to make sure members had what they needed to navigate this. And we're now... You know, more recently, we've done some some work on uh, some guidance on uh, reporting and audit in uncertain times and in the current inflationary environment, as well as a whole range of the uh, other other different sort of rats and mice um, mm. issues. Mm. Look, we are almost out of time because I, I don't want this to go on too long. Because I mean, I guess it, it is uh, potentially a bit tiresome on the brain talking <laughs> all this heavy stuff. How could you say that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll edit that out. Uh, look, um, let's talk auditing uh, before we run out of time. What, what has changed there? What's being rolled out now? It's 2023. So there's probably two major pieces I'd, I'd point to. The the new risk management, um, uh, the, sorry, quality management standard, as well as the, the risk assessment standard. But let me focus on quality management because that's a really major change for practices. From, from December 2022, a new standard applied for all uh, audit and assurance firms, uh, ISQR, QM1, with, with local equivalents in Australia and New Zealand. It's a major update, and we really have invested heavily to provide resources for small and medium firms to be able to take on those new mm. uh, standards in a way that allows them to focus on audit quality. Uh, we, we have a comprehensive toolkit which was issued um, you know, halfway through last year, and that provides illustrative examples uh, as well as a, a comprehensive way of documenting a system of okay. quality uh, management. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And look, that's got me thinking. Then, how how many people are then affected by this? How many how many practices or entities are we looking at that will be impacted by this change? Oh, you're really talking thousands of of practices. I mean, the lion's share of registered company auditors and uh, in Australia, New Zealand, licensed and qualified auditors are members of CAANZ. That's that's north of 3,200 on the. Okay. The latest figures, and then All there's right. there's thousands of others uh, doing other types of uh, assurance engagements for for other areas, uh, for other uh, types of entities. So practices should have got this done already. If you've said it's come in at the end of last year, December 2022, would there be some who who haven't done it and and now need to get on top of it? Yeah. So firms by now should have their system of quality 
management in place, and that means having conducted a risk assessment, and of course our tool and illustrative risk analysis is available to help with this. Mm -hmm. uh, it also means having the responses in place to mitigate those risks, which our toolkit also provides in terms of a, a set of policies. Now, if, if firms haven't done that, they'd really want to get on with it. Um, uh, technically, that that means they're not in compliance. But but having said that, don't pa don't panic. Um, take a look at our quality management hub, and I think you'll find everything there. And I'd hope with those resources, it can actually be a helpful process to help you know give small smaller and medium firms confidence in their risk management. At the end of the day, it's it's those running the practices and working the practices that are exposed. And the benefit of the approach in the new standards is it's a tailored approach, risk management, rather than all of the uh, responses and controls being focused uh, across the board, including things that are really more for, for larger firms. Mm. So the opportunity is is here for, for those firms to simplify uh, their systems and make them much more bespoke to what the risks that keep them up at night. Mm. We will put links to, to that as well because we want you to be able to find the information at your fingertips if you haven't worked out where it might be on the CAANZ website. Look, we're about to wrap up. So what does the rest of this year look like then under this new approach? Well, the next step is is really going to be starting to operate your system of quality control and uh, quality management, I should say, <laughs> and uh, and undertake an annual uh, evaluation. So we've actually updated in December our our toolkit to incorporate some monitoring okay. and, and remediation tools with a similar sort of simple, uh, tailored approach for SMPs to easily capture their quality findings and work out what the implications are for their system of, of quality management. Mm, God, we've covered a lot in a short amount of time. There will be a transcript so you can read along as well if you are thinking that we are moving too fast for you. That is all we have time for. If you want to find out more, as Amir has mentioned, we've developed a toolkit for small and medium-sized practices. It is on our website. I will include a link in the show notes. Also, if you listen to the other episodes from season three, Episode three has been very popular. It's on accountants financing letters. There's also a useful episode on cybersecurity for SMPs and one on the ATO changes to work from home deductions. Handy if any of your clients are starting a new job in the new year. Follow the pod to find the episodes or click on the links I've put in the show notes for you. The podcast has an email, so feel free to get in touch. Podcast at charteredaccountantsanz.com. Let's start a conversation. Thank you, Amir Gander, for taking us through these complex topics on Small Firm Big Impact. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.